It's hard to believe it's been 30 years since Australia first connected to the internet. It's become an essential part of everyday life. We rely on it to pay bills, shop, get work, find love, buy homes and so much more. But what if you're not online? According to the Australian Bureau of Statistics, there's more than two and a half million Australians who can't access the internet, with affordability and a lack of internet coverage a couple of the reasons why. Fortunately, our public libraries are ready to share their fast, free and reliable internet connection with all of us. In this episode of Meet Me at the Library, you'll meet a keyboard warrior. Someone who's using his local library's free Wi-Fi to help reunite families. Steve Campbell is our unlikely hero in this story. He's 71, a retired school teacher, grandfather and self-confessed library fan. I'm a library hound. You know, I spend a lot of time in libraries. He loves his footy, is a lifelong runner and is passionate about trivia. So much so that in 1987 he appeared on Australia's ultimate TV quiz show, Sale of the Century. Sale of the Century! And now, here's the man with the money, Tony Barber. Hello, the man with the money. Good evening. Another fine body of men and women in the audience. Been a good week for Steve here. How are you, Steve? Good, thanks, Tony. Clearing up all right? Uh, yeah, I'm still in there, yeah. Oh, you look as fresh as a daisy. When this show, Sale of the Century, first came on television, I'd be watching this show and I'd be answering all the questions. And my daughter, Melissa, she was about five, I think, she said, oh, you're really good at that. I said, oh, but you have to be quick and beat the other competitors. To, if you, you have to be first to press the buzzer. So I said, all right, look, you sit on the floor and I'll use your head as the buzzer and you tell me if I actually beat the other competitors first. So I started pressing on her head when I knew the answer. She said, oh, yes, she said, you're much quicker than them. So go in it, go in it. And, uh, yeah, the rest is history. Who is the patron saint of Scotland and Russia? Steve. Dave, no. Andrew. Yes. What kind of weapon do we associate with Richard Gatling? Steve. Machine gun. Yep, correct. What's Canada's longest river? Steve. I want a year's supply of chocolate, I remember that. Six months supply of pantyhose, which I never got to wear. There was an enormous amount of stuff, I mean, power tools, a whole set of uh, tools for working on a car, a uh, trip to uh, Holland and England for a fortnight. Steve, this, I don't know whether you people realise or you realise at the time, but if Steve wins tonight, he gets two cars. Steve's run of good luck on Sale of the Century lasted eight nights and he took home more than $121,000 in prizes. I hope that you have a lot of fun. Enjoy Amsterdam. I will. And all the prizes and the little house and everything. Steve lives with his wife, Sarah, in a suburb near the regional city of Bendigo. 
We had a terrible internet connection here. You know, I had uh, prepaid just a plug-in modem to my computer and it was just awful. So in search of better internet, Steve ended up at his local library. These days, he uses the library's free Wi-Fi to help refugees and migrants fill in online immigration forms, navigating a maze of bureaucracy for others for free. I'm helping people in the community who don't speak English very well or not not well enough to be able to complete the forms um, because I have the English skills to, to do that, to be able to ask them, you know, uh, what they need, what they want to say, and uh, put it into good English for them. If you have to go through a migration agent, you, you have to pay several thousand dollars to do this sort of thing, and uh, people don't have that sort of money. Steve's experienced Australia's immigration system firsthand trying to obtain a spouse visa for his wife, Sarah. I met my second wife in 2009, in, in Lombok, Indonesia, and um, we decided to get married in 2010. And so I was the person who um, went through the application process for her to get a spouse visa to bring her to Australia. We were living in a COS, which is like a, a boarding house in Indonesia, a tiny room. We didn't have tables or chairs or anything. And I can remember the floor being just literally covered in papers. Uh, I speak Indonesian reasonably well, but certainly not well enough to communicate and read official government documents and so on. I've had 50 years of going to Indonesia. I have a pretty good familiarity with the language, but it is still extremely difficult because it's bureaucratic language. It's not everyday Indonesian, which I'm very familiar with. You know, it's enormously difficult if you don't speak English as your first language to do this. It's it's very, very difficult indeed. Steve's helped reunite people who've got families and partners in places like Iran, Thailand, Indonesia and Myanmar. Three or four children have been born to families that, uh, that I know of personally, you know, that I've assisted. While he's reluctant to put a figure on the exact number of people he's helped or the amount of time each application takes, Steve's confident he's spent an overly large amount of time at the library using the Wi-Fi. Probably each individual case varies a bit. In one case, for example, the application was for a, a wife and three children, so there's four people involved. In the other cases, it's just been one person involved. If I've actually sat down and put a, a, an hour figure on it, I would estimate between 60 and 100 hours maybe for each person that's involved. I would think so. That's a heck of a lot of Wi-Fi. Yeah, yeah, it is. <laughs> it is actually, yeah. It's a lot. It's through word of mouth that people find him and he admits he's not a migration agent. That's a qualified professional that helps people complete visa applications. Steve says he's just an ordinary bloke who's got some skills, having navigated the system before, who wants to help others. There's no doubt that over the years there have been people who've tried to game the system and therefore there's a whole lot of um, 
questions that have to be asked. At the same time, you pay an awful lot of money for not much service. The cost, for example, when my wife came to Australia was $1,700 to get a visa for your spouse or partner to come to Australia. It's now $7,160. You don't get a case officer appointed for a long time. So if you have any inquiries, it's very difficult to get any information. If you're not on the phone at the crack of the minute it opens, you can wait up to an hour to speak to someone. Sometimes they have a callback system operating. Most times they don't. It is a pretty onerous sort of uh, task for people. One of the people that he assisted is Afghani-born Mohammed Azimi, or Azim, who came to Australia in 2011. Hi, Azim. Hello. How are you, mate? Good, how are you? Good. Come in. Thank you. I haven't seen you for a few days. What's happening? Oh, nothing. Just working, but busy. Uh, every day. As busy. usual. As yeah, usual, yes. busy. Yeah. Come and have a sit down, mate. Stephen Azim met through a mutual acquaintance and have become firm friends since. Yeah, my name is uh, Muhammad Azimi. I belong to ethnic group called Hazara. Most of the Hazara people live in the centre of Afghanistan. It's very cold in the winter. It's uh, lots of mountain. I was living in Afghanistan, yeah. But in 2010, I left Afghanistan because it was not uh, safe because of the Taliban. And after, when I came to Australia, my family left Afghanistan as well. They gone to Iran. Yeah, Steve helped me with, uh, to bring my family to Australia. They reunited with me again. It was not possible for me if uh, Steve uh, couldn't help me. It's, I couldn't do it at all. They all the time send an email, lots of form, the feeling. Steve did all of that one for me. In 2013, after a three-year separation, Azim was finally reunited with his wife and three children in Australia. Azim and his family spent the next three years living with Steve and his wife. Steve says, my best friend is a great man. Yes, we're helpful. We still have a lots of communicate with each other. A lots of time they come in for, uh, in my house, we come in, in here. And the kids are uh, uh, very comfortable with the Steve and the Sarah. So how's Hussein and the kids? What about Razor? What's he doing? He's doing very well. Yeah? At the moment, yeah. He's back at uni? Yes. Since arriving in Australia, Azim and his wife have added to their family and now have a five-year-old daughter as well as two teenagers and a 21-year-old. I taught Razor how to swim over in the reservoir. Uh, we, between, the, between us, we taught him to drive a car. He got his licence first go. Um, you know, had a lot to do with the girls and, and, you know, their education. And it's been fantastic to see, um, see them succeed the way they have.
Azim's family are making the most of the opportunities here in Australia. His son Reza is studying law at university and his two teenage daughters are doing really well in their studies at secondary schools in Bendigo. In Australia, there's no problem at all. You can go to school and any subject you want can pick it up and go into university and do it and get a job, something like this. For example, if they was living in Iran, Iran is not war. But uh, it's very hard to, for uh, refugee people living there because if you're going person some or somewhere, the police come and ask you, come on, come here and give, show me for a passport or identity card or something like that. If it's not be with you, they take you to detention center. Even in Australia, they, yeah, everything is good and safe. I think Azim is probably about the hardest working person that I have ever met. He has really left no stone unturned to save every penny that he, that he could save to bring his wife and children to Australia. He has really taken on very, very menial tasks for a person of his ability. Uh, he's travelled long distances every day of the week to go to work, working six days a week, um, never foregoing any opportunity, never having a day off work because of his drive to reunite his family is something that is incredibly admirable. He's a very, very uh, gentle person, very unflappable, very helpful as well. So, you know, he's a thoroughly decent human being. He should be really proud of the efforts that he's made for his wife and children um, because it, it's a huge achievement to do this in the short space of time, really, that he's been in Australia. Azim is just one of the many people whose life has changed for the better because of Steve and his trips to his local library to use the free Wi-Fi. His actions mean generations of people will grow up Australian because of him. How does he feel about his role in that? It's really good to see people um, come to a new country and actually make a big success of being here. The opportunity, the, the children going to university, uh, doing very well at school, all of them winning scholarships and so on. I mean, it's just great to see. I've spent a lifetime travelling. I first travelled when I was 21 years old. I was in countries where people, back in those days, people didn't speak any English at all. So you had to sort of make your way around and, and when you did meet people, though, people were always very helpful to me. I met a lot of goodness wherever I went. I've always sort of believed that we're not here just for ourselves, you know, we're here for a reason. and. If you can find some sort of meaning in life by assisting other people when you can, then I don't see any harm in doing that. And it gives you satisfaction to think that, well, you know, maybe you're doing something useful with this life that you have, you know. If you just don't do anything useful for it, it's a bit of a waste.
The next time you're in your local library, walking past the computers, listening to the tap of fingers on keyboards, keep an open mind about what people might be doing online. Sure, they might be scrolling through social media, or they might be changing people's lives. Thanks for listening to Meet Me at the Library. You can find it wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe and leave a review. It'll help other people discover it. My name's Anne-Marie Middlemast and I've been your host. Meet Me at the Library is mixed by Hamish Robertson at Tall Tale Audio and produced by me with supervising producer Jane Curtis. Thanks to Steve, Azim and the Goldfields Library Corporation. You can follow Meet Me at the Library on Facebook and Instagram and catch a few happy snaps of Azim and Stephen there as well. Subscribe to the email list to get reminders and updates about the show. This program was made possible with support from the Community Broadcasting Foundation. Find out more at cbf.org.au. Meet Me at the Library was produced in partnership with Main FM and recorded on Jajawaran country. We pay respect to the traditional owners of these lands.